Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. ArchiCAD is the official BIM software of the Entree Architect community. ArchiCAD BIM software enables design, collaboration, visualization, and project delivery no matter the project size or complexity with flexible licensing options and a dedicated support team to guide us along the way, ArchiCAD is an ideal choice for firms and projects of any size. I encourage you to reach out and talk to the folks at Graphisoft by visiting our own dedicated webpage at graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. There's even an exclusive special offer waiting for our Entree Architect community. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioned to help make your architecture firm a success. That's graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. My name is Mark Arlapage and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Nick Schiffer, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. It's a fellow content creator, uh, fellow building industry uh, partner. And so uh, you were doing some fantastic work before before we uh, hit record here, uh, I, and I just sort of popped into my head, I said, wherever your name is, quality is following it. Because everything that you're doing, your, your content that you're creating, the, the, the work that you do as a, as a home builder, 
all top quality. And so it's uh, it's great to have you here and we can learn from what you're doing. I appreciate that, man. It's funny that you, call, you, you introduced me as a content creator because I don't oftentimes consider myself a content creator. And it's people like you that remind me that that is very much... <laughs> What I very much <laughs> what you do for sure yeah. yeah ns builders if you if you look for ns builders or the modern craftsman uh that's nick that's and that's his his world and and doing a whole bunch more we and i want, I want to talk about that yeah um i, I want to talk about the the connection between that content creation and building an impactful network which you're doing a fantastic job at that's something that i'm passionate about as well and so i think that alignment will will really have a an interesting conversation yeah, it's, I mean, just to dive into that, it, it's, it's been really interesting. And the, the content creation has, we have these meetings every week about content and like what we want to focus on and how we want to, you know, attack, you know, LinkedIn or Instagram or what we want to do on YouTube. And there's so many verticals in, in yeah. the focus where the, the reality of what we end up doing is we're just documenting what we're what we're doing on a daily basis yeah we'll cater it to a particular question or something but people were like well why don't you you know does it help hiring it's like yeah it helps hiring well does it help finding subcontractors yeah it helps finding some does it help with clients it's like yeah i mean it's doing everything yeah and that's where you know i'm i remember i remember the first post that i put on instagram that turned into a project and and i remember that being the moment that i said okay I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> this works. Yeah. This thing works. Did you know that consciously? Did you do that intentionally? Put content out hoping that no. you know, it would result in some, something? Nope. Um, I, my, my now wife, but we were dating at the time. She was like, oh, you should join Instagram. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not posting pictures of my food and, <laughs> you know, and sharing. And sure enough, if you go back on my personal Instagram, the Nick Schiffer one, if you go far enough back, the first photo is a picture of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And my wife or my girlfriend at the time wrote like, I love you in it. And after that, I just started posting, you know, my work. And at the time I was working for a commercial uh, high rise developer. And when I went off on my own, you know, naturally I'm like, all right, I'll start an Instagram for NS builders. And if you go far, far enough back on that, it was like, you know, I had the kitchen renovation. Everything was like super filtered, right? Like it was yeah. just, I was just sharing what I was doing. And most of it, you know, my friends and family are like, why, you know, you post so many photos of your work. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm having fun. It's just cool. And I remember uh, it wasn't like, I didn't think I'd get work from it. Uh, but I remember getting a, a phone call or maybe I think it was an email and they were like, Hey, I saw the deck you're building. I'm like, Oh, cool. And they're like really quality work. I also noticed the tools in the background. You have a lot of fest tool. So I can tell you're serious about your craft. I'd love to talk to you about a project. It's nice. like, interesting. Like they, they knew that much from that photo yeah. and we didn't end up getting the job. Um, but at that moment is when I was like, I'm going to use this to market myself. And I, I have an obsessive personality. So when I find something that I enjoy, which at this time was obviously making money and building a business or, in, or, you know, in, at the time it wasn't even building a business. It was just myself as a carpenter. But I was like, Oh, this is an opportunity for me to, you know, showcase and get more work. And I just went down a rabbit hole of understanding, you know, how to utilize Instagram, how to create content, what the content should be like. And it just spiraled. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to the very beginning about mm -hmm. even before the content. Sure. You know, how did 
you discover your passion for what you do as a, as a builder um, and maybe what or who inspired you to, to pursue that path? So I, I always open the story the same way I, because my parents tell me about it all the time or told me about it all the time is that I would sit as a toddler on my grandparents' floor, banging nails into her, you know, into the floorboards. Yeah. And apparently they allowed me to do it because they were going to go through a major renovation and they didn't care. Um, but you know, that I was, you know, it was always tools. I was always interested in tools, you know, and my grand, my, my, my grandmother used to take me to the store and I would, you know, want to buy tools. I'm like, I want to buy a screwdriver. And I remember like, I vividly remember Christmas as I got older and older, I would only ask for tools. And there was this one year, I don't know how old I was, but you know, I was young enough where I should have been playing with toys. And I got this white box, white cardboard box, and I ripped it open and it had a 25 foot extension cord, a hard hat <laughs> and some other tools in it. Yeah. And I'm, fairly positive that I still have that 25 foot extension cord. I think it's sitting out in my shop. Um, but I was excited and tools were always just part of what I did. Uh, part of what my interest and, in, you know, I built forts and I built, you know, sheds in my backyard. And, you know, I, for a long time, I'm, you know, I was quote unquote too young to use a skill saw. So they bought me a black and Decker jigsaw. Yeah. And I would cut and I would rip, you know, an eight foot sheet of plywood down to 12 inches wide with a jigsaw. Yeah. I know and exactly sure, like, the tool. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> I had it, one it, too. yeah, it was green. It like yep. I little orange, the little tiny it. six inch short yep. plug that kept uh, popping yes. out of the extension yes. cord. Yep. And I, I didn't cut a straight line, but I had like, that's what I had. Yeah. And I remember, I, I remember being allowed to use a skill saw and I built a lemonade stand and I was like, finally I get to use how the skill old, saw. How old were you when you first used the skill saw? I'm, I'm totally guessing, but I would yeah. guess 12, maybe 11. Yeah. Um, and yeah, cause at 11, yeah, at 11, I decided to go work for my dad and he owns a residential fence company, Canton fence company in Stoughton, Mass and went to work for him on in the summer. So I was, you know, my parents had four kids, including me. Um, I have an older half brother, but you know, the three younger kids, I was the oldest from my parents, they would go to our uh, beach house and I would go to work with my dad for the summer. And that was just our thing. Like I, I didn't want to go. I wanted to go and make money and work. And I end up working for my dad, you know, summers, weekends, uh, all the way, you know, through high school and all the way through college. And, you know, I end up, you know, running the wood shop. I was doing welding and metal fabrication you know, handling fence installs. I was just kind of doing whatever. I was just, you know, out there hustling, get, getting a tan, making money, you know? And when I graduated, I, I, I went to high school in a vocational school and I went to, um, through a house carpentry program. Um, there was cabinet making, but there was also house carpentry and I gravitated towards house carpentry. Um, and went through high school, applied to getting college, uh, and I went to college for construction management. Um, and, but I still worked, you know, I would go to school and the moment my class was out on Friday, I would drive 80 miles back home, work all weekend, drive back on Monday morning or Sunday night, depending on what time my class was on Monday. And that was just my thing. Yep. And my, and I, I actually had the same roommate all four years and out of four years, I stayed one weekend. And he thought I was a, the lamest person. He was like, you're so lame, man. Like we party every weekend. And I was just so fo like at that time, it wasn't so much that 
it wasn't so much that I was trying to build a career. It was just that I enjoyed making money. And I, you know, I worked for my dad and I would do side work and do small carpentry projects on the side. And it just, that was just my thing. And, you know, obviously continue to, to improve my skill. And when I graduated, it wasn't, it was less than a month after I graduated, I got a phone call um, from the commercial developer that wanted to hire me. And I was like, appreciate the offer. I'm not interested. I'm going to stick with my dad for a year and then figure it out. And they, you know, we hung up and about a week later, they called me again. And I said, I'm not interested because I'm not, it, he's like, that's fine. Just, I just want to talk to you. I'm like, okay. He's like, can you come into Boston and, you know, chat with me? And I've never driven into Boston. I didn't know what rush hour traffic was. Like I, I grew up in, you know, 20, 30 minutes south of Boston. I've always lived there. So I, I took a day off from my dad and I told him I was moving because I, I, I kind of was. Um, but I lied and I felt terrible, but I was like, all right, I got to go do this thing. And, you know, I didn't even know, I didn't know what's where to the interview. I texted so he, the, he didn't even know you were going yeah. for on this interview. No. And cause I was moving and I like basically paired, like I, I moved in, in the afternoon, but the morning I went into the city and met with this guy and they, they he, I walked in, I shook his hand. He goes, your, your hands are filthy. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was trying. He goes, no, no, no. He's like, I like that. I'm like, Oh, okay. He's like, I can tell you're a hard worker. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, I'm not taking this job by the end of the interview. I'm like, okay, I'm interested, you know, like what's going on here. Yeah. And they ended up offering me at the time, you know, a, a, a good salary for someone right out of college, but substantially more than I was making at my dad's shop. So is that why you were interested? Because the, the raise? No, it get? was because I was interested. I was introduced to this whole world of commercial high-rise construction that yeah. I just knew nothing about. It it appealed to you. You yeah. learned about it and you're like, oh, I like this. I was like, okay, this is this is interesting. I can be introduced to like, car, you know, building in a different way than I thought I would be. Um, and then the money, of course, was like, oh, you know, this is this is great. So long story short, I, I tell my father I'm leaving. He's upset. Um, you did know, he have plans for you? Like, like, did he expect that you'd stay? And Yeah. Yeah, he expected. I'll never like, I think it had to be, I want to say it must've been like right when I graduated high school, he bought a truck and put my name on it. So then it's like a month later, I'm like, I'm leaving. So it yeah. was, it was a thing and it really hurt our relationship bad. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was, it was tough. And I, and I went to work for that company for four years and, uh, you know, our relationship was fine, like over time. Um, and then I started doing more side work again and it got to a point where, you know, my girlfriend, now wife, you know, I was working like ridiculous hours. I'd be up at five, be at the office at six 30. I'd work all day. I'd leave there at five. I would go grab dinner and then go to a job site and work till midnight. And then, uh, and I wouldn't even go to, I owned a house and I wouldn't even go home because her place was closer to my job in the morning. So I would go stay with her, but I get there at midnight. Yeah. And she's like, what What are you doing, man? <laughs> and I, it just got to a point where I was like, this isn't what I want to do. I want to, I want to own my own business. I want to go back to working with my hands. And I told, I told the the company I was leaving, I gave them a, a, a month notice and, you know, started NS Builders. And it was just, my intent was to be a carpentry company, maybe, maybe hire people, maybe not. I don't know. And, you know, I made some relation, I made some good relationships with people that, you know, actually the architect that was on that high rise, I did his personal home, 
did some renovation work there and it kind of just snowballed and I got introduced to a lot of people because of that job. And, um, fast forward, you know, I'm coming up on year 10 and it's evolved from a one person carpentry company to a 15 person home building company. Um, you know, I did, I think 200,000 that first year and we're going to, we're, you know, I think we're probably going to close in close to 10 million, you know, I think this year we'll probably close in cl- close in closer to eight and then on track for 23 to close in around 10 and, and so on and so forth. Um, but it's, I, I got asked the question the other day and he, he looked at me, he goes, Nick, I remember meeting you and you still worked at that developer and you told me that you were going to own your own company. And he's like, are you in the position, are you in the place that you thought you would be 10 years later? Yeah. And I laughed and I said, you know, I've never thought of this, but no, not at all. He's like, why not? I'm like, no part of me thought that I would be on a podcast or videoing every single thing we're doing or speaking in front of a thousand people or like none of that. That wasn't even in my, like, I don't even know if I was aware of it, like that, that was an option. So it just evolved and, you know, and I'm obviously very glad it did because my plan when I started my business was, is very much, is very different. And my goals from, you know, a professional, personal side, a financial side, you know, would have like that I have today would have never been achievable at what I set out to do in the beginning. You have a very strong brand. You know, at, at and at actually everywhere you 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 touching you mm. you've built brands, right? The the modern craftsman is a specific brand. Yeah. Uh, NS Builders has a really strong brand. Um, when did you realize the power of that? What, you know, ten years, right? You've been doing yeah. this. Where along that timeline did you realize that this needed to be more than just Nick with a hammer? So, the brand actually came before the business. Uh, or, or or growing a business like beyond just me, and because I remember being on the job, and I said, you know, I'm gonna, I want to build a brand. I want to build like a household name. I want people to be like, oh, I want an NS Builders house. Like they say, hey, pass yeah. me a Kleenex. Where where did you learn that? What inspired you to to think that way? I th- I I think it was a similar time around when I started understanding the power of social media. Um, I attribute a lot of the reason I, I got into social media to uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, yep. you know, who obviously has a massive brand behind him, but I was paying attention to a lot of what he was doing. Yep. And he told the same story over and over, be authentic, just capture you like document your story, document your story. And I liked that. And I was like, this is, that's, it seems so fun. You know, I, I remember watching ask Gary V and daily V's and it's like, yep, all too. you're doing is watching him have a day. Yeah. But it was interesting to me. And I was like, man, I like, I kind of want to do that. So people understand like who I am. Um, and I mean, being on camera is very, I shouldn't say very, it's easy now, but in the beginning it was something I was very, very uncomfortable with. Yeah. It's hard at first. Like to the tune of, I spent, I think $5,000 to have two videographers come out and like shoot a story video and they, one of them went home pissed off because I couldn't get through one sentence <laughs> and the other one stuck with me and he continues to work with me to this day. But, and that's Doug and you know, he's a partner in Motif Media now, but it's, 
it's funny to see how like that evolved, but I was so dedicated to doing it. And I knew that I could curate, you know, the future of NS builders and, and Nick Schiffer and, you know, eventually, you know, partnering with, um, you know, uh, John and Tyler on the modern craftsman, John is no longer with us, but, you know, ultimately like having these opportunities into building one brand that ultimately conti like continued to morph into multiple brands. Um, but I just wanted the, I wanted that relationship behind, you know, quality, like you said, in the beginning of this podcast, right? Like someone sees NS builders, they see quality. Yeah. And I wanted, I wanted to make sure that we were capturing that and growing towards the ultimate goal of building at a very high level as quickly as possible. And I saw social media as a, as a, um, as like a tunnel to do that, where it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to climb this ladder as fast as I can. And, you know, I could take my time and, you know, eventually get there in my career. And, you know, and I, I battled that a lot because I'm relatively young. I actually interviewed for a job today and the architect was like, how old are you? <laughs> and I'm like 34. And he's like, and I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but he was like, are you effing kidding me? And I'm, and he's like, and what's your role in the company? I said, I own it. And he goes, what the? <laughs> and I laughed and I was like, you know, it, it actually in the, in the beginning of my career, it hurt me a lot. And that's actually a big reason why I grew a beard, to be honest, um, is that people thought I was too young to do this. Yep. And, you know, and when I started getting into like involved or invited to bid big jobs or price big jobs or be involved with big architects, people were like, you haven't put your, you, you haven't put the time in yet. I'm like, why, why is that? Like, why is that a prerequisite? Why do I have to be 50 years old before I'm allowed to build a five, $10 million house? Like, explain that to me. It's like, well, you like, you got to work your way up. Says who? Right. What if I skip everything and I build a $10 million house and I crush it and I do a great job? Then, then I'm, then I'm that guy. I'm not saying I will. I might, I might jump into a 10 million and, and bomb and bankrupt my company. Like th that's, that's a possibility. It's a possibility for anyone, but I don't think age has any, like, I, I truly don't, don't think that age should be a consider a consideration. Yeah. And I get it. Like we, I've lost a project because our portfolio wasn't deep enough. That was the, you know, she said everything else, a plus, I like you. I like your process. I like how you're going to approach the job. I like your communication style. I like your software that you use. I like the way that you're going to do this, that, and the other thing. You just don't have the portfolio. And I said, fair enough. Like, I can't build my first house without building my first house. Right. Exactly right. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, right? But trying to figure out our financials on our own is not one of those things. Luckily, we have FreshBooks the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like us. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business, from building and tracking invoices, to managing online payments, to organizing expenses, and automates them with features like the digital bills and a receipt scanner, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. It's also super easy to get up and running, and the award-winning FreshBooks support team they are always available to answer any questions along the way. Compare that to some of the other financial management tools out there. Try FreshBooks for free 
for 30 days, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com architect to get started today. That's freshbooks.com architect. So what will you do with 11 more hours each week? This episode is brought to you by rcat.com. We all have that one story, that one project that had such a unique situation that it required a solution that you had rarely considered before. We share these stories in private professional circles with our friends and our colleagues, but there has never been a collection of these stories of conflict and triumph all in one place until now. Detailed is a podcast series that features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who share their insights and expertise as they highlight some of the most complex, interesting, and oddball building conditions that they have ever encountered and the ingenuity it took to solve them. Join host Sharice Lakeside, AKA CSI Kraken, a senior specifications writer at RDH Building Science as she uncovers lessons learned to help you navigate similar challenges that may arise in your next project. Detailed, an original podcast by ArtCat. Listen and subscribe right now at artcat.com slash podcast. That's arcat.com slash podcast. A-R-C-A-T dot com slash podcast. Detailed. Every building has a story. This episode is brought to you by the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting, the business conference for small firm entrepreneur architects. Learn more at smallfirmconference.com. If you could build a business conference for small firm entrepreneur architects, what would it be? Since I launched Entree Architect back in 2012, I've been listening. I've been watching what members want and learning what we need. And in November, we will gather in Austin, Texas to connect, to celebrate, to honor, and to learn. The Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting was inspired, designed, and launched for you. We invited top speakers to share fast-paced, get-to-the-point, TED Talk-like presentations that will provide you with the information that you need so that you can build the firm that you want. On day one of the conference, following a lineup of fantastic speakers, we'll discover the connection between mental health and our financial wealth with licensed clinical professional counselor, Joyce Martyr. And then we'll be honoring three architect members of the community at the inaugural Entree Architect Honor Awards. On day two, we'll hear from more great speakers, then dive deep into the successful future of our firms with Brian McCartney of ArcMark at a 90-minute strategic planning program. We'll have some fun building models with Kenya and Matt Forget of Sticks and Bricks, and we'll learn from an icon, Gene Cohn, founder of KPF at the day two keynote. We planned this event to start with an evening reception on Tuesday, November 1st, and end on Thursday afternoon on November 3rd, so that you'll have time to connect with friends post-event to discover the city of Austin and its amazing architectural sites on Friday and into the weekend. We've been approved by the AIA for 12.75 CEUs, and everyone will leave with a cool bag of swag. Whether you're a member of the Entree Architect Community Facebook group, a member of the Entree Architect Academy membership, or 
a small firm architect practicing anywhere in the world who wants and needs the support and connection of like-minded architects. The Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting Small Firm Business Conference is for you. With generous support from our friends at Monograph, visit smallfirmconference.com now for tickets, and we will see you in Austin this November. That's smallfirmconference.com. Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. That's a complicated situation, right? I, I, my wife and I are partners in the architecture firm and we started when we were 29 and we had that same problem, right? That, that we were more than qualified to do the work that we wanted to do, but we couldn't get the work that we wanted to do because we had no portfolio. We were competing with firms that had been around for 40 years, right? And so we shifted our, our focus to things that we could dominate, right? We built the brand around work that we could get and then we worked our way back to building the projects that we wanted to build. You, you mentioned Motif before, Motif Media. Um, when did you realize that the, the power of, of content and, and social media that was working for you as a builder um, could be a business in itself? What is Motif and, and what's, what's the, the, the mission behind it? So Motif is a media company focused on video and podcast production. Um, primarily focused on the NS brand, NS Builders brand, the Materia Millwork brand, which we can talk to John, uh, and the Modern Craftsman brand. So very much like, you know, incestual in the sense of like the brands that are, are, or, you know, I'm involved with. Um, but Doug, uh, who is my partner in Motif, um, prior to all of this, he helped me with that story video early on. Uh, and then my wife and I renovated a house and I said, Hey, I want to document this whole thing. And so he would drive for like six hours from Maine film eight hours all day. Cause he's like, I don't know what to capture, what to get. So he just would film. And then at the end of the day, he's like, all right, interview time. And he would point, point the camera at me. And he's like, what'd you do today? And I would just tell him what I did. And we created this Tuckerman series and we end up stopping it because like he was busy with work and I was spending money that I didn't have, you know, and, uh, we had done a couple other videos and then all of a sudden I remember scrolling Instagram and I came and a video started playing and it sounded like mine. It looked like mine. I was like, Oh, Oh wait, that's not mine. And I realized he had done a video for another builder because they liked what I did. And I'm like, and I, I immediately picked up the phone. I'm like, how much to come full time? I'm like, I am not going to compete with other builders that are hiring you to do the same thing. And we, he gave me a number. I said, let's go. We, we, we figured it out. Um, again, like I'm spending money that I'm not allocating at this time. It's just like, fig I'll figure it out. I'll put them on salary. So he worked under the NS builder uh, brand for a while. And then this past January was, you know, I'm sorry, I missed the part before he had, uh, before he had went into the corporate world, he owned a company called Puffin Media. Uh, so that's when he was working with me on the Tuckerman. And then he went into corporate because he just hated running a business. He hated invoicing people, you know, the, all the nuances of running and owning a business. He was like, it's not for me. I want to be creative. So fast forward, I, we sat down. I'm like, what if we partner and just create Motif Media? And there were so many thoughts behind that. I wanted Doug to have ownership. I wanted Doug to be able to own a part of what we were doing. Um, I want, you know, there obviously 
tax benefits, insurance benefits of not having a videographer in a construction company. So there's all those things, but it was mainly because I want Doug to like have ownership and have, and like be able to like create his own future. And right now it's very much, you know, involved in what we're doing, but you know, he'll, we'll work and we'll do a video for another builder. Uh, we'll do content for other companies and, and it gives him the opportunity to kind of expand into that, but also gives us the future of growing this into a much bigger production and, and, and having its own success um, rather than being kind of strapped to just one brand, like me, right? Just strapped to me where it's like, you know, yes, I can bring in additional revenue from brand partnerships and things like that. But ultimately, like there is a cap at to what he can produce for NS builders and what NS builders can afford to pay, where it's like, what if it has its own trajectory? And that's exactly what we do with Materia Millwork. So Ken is my partner in material millwork. Same thing last January. Ken, you know, came in, I think five or six years prior to that to NS Builders. We built a cabinet shop out of thin air. And because we needed to build millwork, I told him I didn't know if we'd have enough work for him. He took the opportunity anyway, and we've never slowed down. And there was always this kind of talk about like him having bigger ownership, more ownership. And ultimately... Um, we, we, we put that into place last January and it's the same thing. It's like now they're not, you know, materia isn't strapped to what NS builders is doing. So if NS builders doesn't have mill work, there was times last year where, all right, let's cl clean the shop for three days because we don't have anything for NS like, or like, Hey, can you fabricate these offsite? Now we have the opportunity to grow that into its own successful business by building furniture, working with other contractors, private labeling for other cabinet makers, you know, now the shop is, you know, enormously busy and, you know, we're, you know, that's its own business, its own success path, its own opportunity. And Ken has ownership in that. Um, do you do content for Materia as well? We do. Um, not as heavily. Uh, and I'm getting a lot of like, Hey, where's all the, we call it the revealed series. Ken named it revealed. And it's like, where's all the revealed series. And we're like, well, we started our own YouTube for Materia. Um, and just frankly, it's just been a bandwidth, uh, issue is like, we're yeah. filming. It's, it's hard to capture everything. So material is very busy, but, uh, content is, it, you know, is very much on the horizon for 23. And we really want to approach it very similar to how we were, we are doing it with NS. What does the future look like? You have NS partners. I mean, NS builders, you have, um, materia, you have motif, you have the modern craftsman podcast. Mm -hmm. That's that's part of motif no the uh motif Separate. produces yeah motif produces the podcast but uh the modern craftsman uh it started with myself uh john and tyler um john stepped away and now it's myself and tyler our partners on that uh 50 50 split and we we started that podcast really just because you know we were meeting up having conversations at the time, Snapchat was really big and we would share on our Snapchat stories that we were together and we were talking about like, hey, we're just, you know, BSing and drinking some beers and talking about yep. building stuff. And and people were like, oh, man, I wish I was with you guys. And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, cool, man. And it's like, no, but seriously, what are you talking about? And we're like, building. And he's like, I know, but like, like what? And we're like, man, why do people want to know what we're talking about so much? And we kept doing it and people were like, you know, I, I really want to be a fly on the wall in what you're talking about, I, like, because we were starting to build these brands. Right. And so we had, uh, John and I had, um, 
host, not I shouldn't say hosted an event. We posted on our our story, and I don't know if if it, it must have still been Snapchat at this time, but we posted, "Hey, we're going to Tony C's in Boston, 7 p.m. on Friday night." <laughs> That's all we wrote. Yeah, you were about and, to find out how powerful. Yeah, we were just was. like ex- this exactly. So we were like, whatever, we're going, we're having forty something people show up to this bar, <laughs> and the bar is pissed off. Like, like, what are you guys doing? Like, you didn't yeah. give it. I'm like, truthfully, we did not know that that was going to happen. Like, we didn't, we had no idea. And I think John and I split the bill at the end because like no one opened a tab. Like, it was just a mess. But then people were like, that was great, but I really wanted to be in his conversation. And I was talking to this guy and I, I like, and we're like, hmm. And I don't know. I, it must, I think it was John at the time. And he was like, well, let's start a podcast. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And it was actually, I'm sorry. It was actually similar time to when we had done our first like on stage speaking gig and it was uh, branded the modern craftsman. And I liked the name. So I bought the website while I was up on stage because I was oh, yeah. all on the website. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I asked for permission to use it after, uh, you know, which is, I mean, that I make it that sound pretty schemey, but whatever. Uh, point being is like, all right, let's brand the podcast. We, yeah. we, we sat around in my shop. Another, around. another great brand. Yeah. And it was just a good name. And we, in the three of us, Tyler, Tyler was up for that. We sat around a five gallon bucket and recorded a podcast and we literally turned the mic on. We had one mic and we passed it around to the three of us and we we're like, what are we talking about? And it just, it, it became this thing that we were randomly doing like, Hey, you want to record this week? Nah, I don't have time. Okay. And then, um, at the time, um, Benny was our producer and it was the same thing. It's like, Oh, Benny's not available. So like he, he had stuff to do. And this is when Doug got involved and Doug was like, guys, you need to do this on a regular basis. I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to put a schedule. And over the course of the year, the years after like we really got rigid with it we started booking out guests months in advance and we got to a point where you know we were every single week we're recording and but it it came out of the it came out of the necessity of the fact that people feel alone right and a lot of it stemmed from like the issues that people face in this industry everything from cash flow to mental health to suicide to to and I don't mean to make that dark but like these are all real like things the emotion side of it the the fact that like you're watching NS builders on Instagram thinking that we have it all figured out quality is number 1 blah blah blah, blah. but the reality is is I still have 20 days a year that I want to give all this up and it's and it's driving me crazy and I don't know why I do this and like screw this stuff and you know but that doesn't get talked about so the podcast was this, like this conduit that we could kind of talk about that and have these open conversations. And and truthfully, a lot of the mo- the most successful podcasts were actually ones when it was just us. And we I remember recording one right before Christmas one year. And I think a guest had canceled on us and we were like, what are we going to talk about? And we just sat there and it was like, it was like we were just sitting around dinner and we just started talking about things that were probably like, a lot like very uncomfortable to talk about in front of a group and we posted it and people were like that's what i want like i had no like i didn't realize that you dealt with that too i i'm dealing with that and you know obviously we don't want to make it all you know doom and gloom uh but try to balance the reality of what we're doing and and also give like open up conversations that are you know not as you know not as normal you know yeah. to to hear 
and you're having and you're having fun and goofing off way more than you're going deep and deep and yeah. dirty. So, sure. <laughs> it's and that's a, that's appealing too, right? People people want to hear that banter and the relationships you all have and how yeah. you jab each other, and that's that's all part of it, right? That's the right. best radio shows in history have been you know talk shows like that that are mm -hmm. just you know characters that just come and talk, right? Right. Um, and so um, it, the formula works. Um, and I'm, I'm sure a, a community has built itself around that podcast, oh, yeah. the listening community. I'm sure you've had, uh, you've heard examples of um, things that, that you've influenced, right? That you've impacted people's lives through the content that you've created, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, good and bad. Yeah. Um, and I say bad because the one that sticks out in my mind, which we read on the podcast, um, was a guy wrote in, it was right, I think it was like right after Thanksgiving. He was like, hey guys, I just listened to episode, whatever it was. You finally gave me the confidence to fire that guy that I've been trying to fire for a year. And I was like, we just got someone fired right before. Yeah, holiday. but you probably helped, helped the business. And and totally, like there's two sides of that, right? Yeah. But it was like, but that was like such an extreme example. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, through the course of it, it's one of those things you do it every, we record every single Tuesday and it's a lot of time you know it's a few it's it's 3 hours of my time if not more and it's tiring but you know every once in a while it's like you dig into your dms and someone says man dude this week's episode really really hit home and helped me a lot fuel we're i'm fueled back up you yeah. know we're fuel like we're all fueled back up to do it again that's the word i use too that's my yeah. fuel yeah and it's, and it is, and it's, you know, I love that side of it. And I love the fact that what we're doing with NS builders and, you know, and, and the content we're creating with motif, like all of that is designed around, let's just share what we're doing. And a lot of it is stuff that I learn in the moment and that, you know, it's received good and bad. Some people are like, you should have known, like, you're an idiot. That's not what you're supposed to do. Or why wouldn't you research this before trying to teach the entire world? it? It's like, we're just all we're doing is sharing what we're doing you know and if i'm wrong and a bunch of you guys comment on it and i find out i actually am wrong that just gives me another video to put up the next week like hey guys i was wrong that's right yeah and it happened and it happened more content yeah it happened six months ago i completely missed the vapor barrier detail in a crawl space and people were like whoa whoa whoa, what are you doing like how did you not think of that and i was like i don't know how i didn't think of it and that's why and i'm and i'm frankly i'm glad that we posted that video like that's why i like putting out content we record it, it goes up live. So if something's wrong with it, someone's going to call it out and I still have the time to fix it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have a lot more eyeballs on your work. Yeah. Good, good and bad, right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, ultimately that's where that pushes us to be better too. Where it's like, yeah. if, like, all right, you're always under the pressure. Like you're going to have the trolls. You're going to have the people that tell you like you're doing it wrong or that shit or whatever it is. But ultimately, you know, we're putting ourselves in a position that we're forcing ourselves to be the best version of ourselves, and we're forcing ourselves to innovate where it's like, if we're just going to share every secret secret that we have and every process we have, well, it's going to be easy for the guy to trail up pretty close to, to us if, if he wants to actually execute. Yeah. But if we're always on that leading edge or always trying to improve or always looking for a, a better process, you know, we're, we're, keep, we're on our own heels. We're like, hey, hey, like, don't, 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 don't get comfortable. Don't plateau here. Like, keep going. Keep going up the mountain. As all of these companies grow, right, you're, you're leading a whole bunch of companies here. 
Mm. Um, and as they grow and become more successful, what does the future look like for Nick Schiffer? I mean, how do you how do you continue to grow these companies? Um, you know, by yourself. How does how does what is the future? Well, I'm not by myself. That that's that's an important detail. Like I'm not I'm not doing this by myself, if at all. Um, and I, interestingly, like the last two weeks, I've had the same conversation with different people in my business. Um, my finance team, my tax team, my branding team. Like I have, like there's so many people that are involved with this. Yeah. Not every, not, and I, I don't want to allude to the fact that I have all these people on staff. Yeah. But like yeah. I have a brand team that I have on retainer. Yeah. So when I get a new vehicle, I'm not laying out lettering. Like I send it to them, not because I can't, but I'm like, Hey, you're like, you're, you've created this brand with me, make the truck fit. Like make sure I, I scale the lettering. Right. Right. But what I had, I, the, the conversations I've been having recently is that, Hey guys, I've become a, the bottleneck for every, all of you. Mm-hmm. You know, my tax, like uh, tax seems a perfect example. I, you know, I'm considered like their top tier client, meaning like I pay for the highest amount of service that they have. And we're in a meeting, we meet quarterly and they're like, all right, these are the options. Like we're thinking about closing the year out this, you know, you should consider this, you you should consider this, but if you don't want to do that one, you could also do this and you could, you could defer tax this way. Or if you want, we could move it into this kind of account. And I said, stop. At what point do I not become the decision maker in that and and he was like you know listening and i'm like uh, let me let me kind of relate it to like the ultra wealthy the ultra wealthy have people that work on their taxes every single day right and their goal is at the end of the year to be zero zero tax liability right i don't need that i don't need a guy working on my taxes every single day but i need something in between because right now you're relying on me to tell you which strategy makes sense i want to step back and be like you come to me and say hey nick I know the ins and outs of the finances. I know everything that's going on. I know your goal personally. I know how much money you want to make, like all of this. This is how I would approach your tax liability this year. And if I disagree with it, in that moment, I can disagree and change the course. But the reality is, okay, you've done the research. I don't want to do the research. I don't want to, I want to have a general understanding of it, but I don't want to do the research. And it's the same thing with my accounting, my, my brand team, my operations team, you know, even the guys in the field, like I'm trying to pull myself back away from the micromanagement and like, Hey, you know, don't do it this way. And, you know, recently I I went to a a leadership summit and Jocko actually hosted it and it was a Jocko event. I'm like, all right, like I've read his book. I understand extreme ownership. I understand decentralized command. Like, how do I implement this into my business? And I'm like, what better way than to sit across the table from Jocko and be like, Tell right. me what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't like this revolution, but it was understanding how to implement it and and ask the earnest questions with my team and, and get them to to start becoming more of a leader individually. So you ask the question, like, what what's my future? Well, my future is yeah. to continue to focus on the vision for all of the brands. And that doesn't mean equally. That doesn't mean, you know, one over the other. That just means I want to be involved with all these pieces of it. And maybe at some point I won't. And maybe at some point I won't want to be part of, you know, 
I don't want to say the podcast or I don't want to even pick one because yeah, yeah, it, it's right. not even on my mind, but at some point, maybe I don't want to do that anymore. And I can step away and let, you know, Ken or Doug take, take that business and, and run with it. Right. And, but ultimately, like for me, I personally, I want to build the craziest homes anywhere in the world. And I think is, that is that's still your favorite part. And as builders, it, that that actual creation of of buildings, it is, and I and it is, but the millwork is like such a integral part of yeah, what we do when sure. we build. Yeah. So it's hard for me to say that NS Builders is my favorite over Materia, and then like the whole content creation is so fun. Yeah, but it's and it's just different. It's just it's fueling a different, you know, um, like I don't know. I'm trying to think of the word. But uh, like high, it's a different high, right? Yeah. It's like I'm doing that for a completely different uh, feeling where a building is one thing, millwork is another. So for me, it's more about the fact that I want to be able to like traveling has become something I was never interested in being when I was younger. I was totally cool just living outside of Boston, you know, in a, in a small home building. And, and that's totally changed. And as I travel more. I'm like, this is awesome. Why don't I build a house here? Yeah. People are like, what are you talking about? Like, I, we were, <laughs> I, I took my family to Greece a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, I'm going to build a house here. And she's like, Nick. I'm like, what? She goes, you're, we're like, and, and she gets it. Like, she's like, okay. I'm like, it, it would be cool. And I'm like messaging like my builder buddies. And they're like, Nick, you're going to build a house everywhere. I'm like, no, I know. But why couldn't I do it? It's like, I don't know, because it's really hard to get skilled labor here. It's like, so Yeah. So it's we'll hard figure to figure that out. Yeah, we'll figure that side out. And <laughs> and as I talk about it and, and the more like, you know, I think about structuring NS builders and, you know, the the way we're we're structuring our business from a management perspective, it gives me this opportunity to like, all right, how do I take what we're doing and then create like put that into a CM model where, you know, we're interviewing for jobs up up the coast of Maine. I have a, a project in potentially Tennessee that they were interested in. Like, and all of these, I have like, there's no part of me that's like, I don't know if I could do that. It's no, I can do that. We can run 80% of the job remotely and me to travel down to Tennessee or up to Maine. It's like, you know, it's okay. It's a few hours out of my day to get there. When the reality is if I have to head to a job site, you know, a local job site, like I might not be able to get there for a few hours either. Right. So the, the, the reality is it's like, okay, well you need someone on site. Sure this is where the social media has continued to help. If I posted something about potentially doing a job on the coast of Maine on, on an Island that you need to take a water taxi to yeah. within eight hours of posting that on my story, I had two people email me say, Hey, I saw your story. I'm yeah. local. If you need a boots on the ground, super, I'm your guy. Now they might, neither of them might be a good fit, right? but I just got without doing any work. I got yeah, two, would- two potential candidates Yep. that are interested in because they they value the brand. I, I I would go interview them, explain the situation. Hey, this is a 12-month job. You could be boots on the ground. Here's the salary. I don't know if I could have another job after that. Some people are fine with that. Yeah. Some people, I, there's there's guys that will travel the entire country being a super because they don't have any ties anywhere. Oh, I want to I want to get I want to see the whole country. So if I get to move to an area for two two years and build a house and then move somewhere out like there, there's people that want to do this. You just have to build a network strong enough to connect with them. Yeah. And the systems that go along with making sure that all works the right. way you want it to work. 
Yes. And that's a whole, where it's a whole other podcast. <laughs> right. And that's like the project management side where, you know, we, we are very invested in the way we, uh, project manage our jobs, the software, you know, the data. And that's where it's like back to the accounting team, back to my, pro my operations team, my project management team. It's like, you know, I'm not doing that. This isn't me doing it. It's, you know, I'm, I'm encouraging and, and, and supporting the, the momentum behind it. But ultimately it's the, these are the technical operators in, in the business. Nick, you're an inspiring man. I, I highly recommend everybody who's listening to go check out uh, all this content. Go go to nsbuilders.com. Uh, check out the podcast, themoderncraftsman.org is the website for the podcast, but you can find it anywhere the podcasts are, are played. Uh, a fantastic Instagram, nsbuilders, um, and a great YouTube channel. You can just go search search YouTube for, for nsbuilders. Um, we'll have a link to that on the show notes as well. All those things will be on the show notes. Nick, before we wrap things up here, I want to ask you the one question that I ask everybody here. Mm -hmm. What's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? You know what? I think that, and I'm seeing it be uh, more common, but open to collaboration. Um, and that's not for everyone. That's not for every builder. That's not for every architect. That's not for every trade partner. But when you partner with people that, that truly share the same goal for that project or for their business, it's it's very different. It's a very different approach, and you don't get this owner, uh, this this builder versus architect mentality. Yeah. Yep. And I think, you know, beyond that, um, I had another thought that I wanted to, to add on to that, but I just lost my train of thought for the first time in this podcast. That's not bad. One time. Uh, <laughs> Um, but, but, oh, just being transparent with the goals and being transparent with where you are at in the process. And this goes for anyone, even outside of an architect, small architect firm. But what I have found is that, you know, we talked about age, right? But when I have interviewed or met with potential architects or builders, like there's the, the inherent side of, hey, you haven't done this before. Yeah. And I've had that conversation a lot, a lot of times, and I've explained like, listen, I'm not here to tell you that I can build you the best house or, Hey, do you have any projects I can bid? Or I'm not, this isn't an ask. This is, Hey, my name's Nick Schiffer. I own a company called NS Builders. We're currently doing this, but I want to be doing that. Yeah. And being open about that where it's like, what happens there is. Oh, I had no idea that I thought you were only you only wanted to do these million dollar renovations. Yeah. I had no idea that your goal was actually to build five million dollar homes. And interestingly enough, we have this house coming up that doesn't have a builder. Why don't we see if we can work together on making this come true? Yeah. And that's, that, that's fantastic advice. To, yeah. I mean to, it's to share your dreams, really. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To be transparent about what where you want to go. Because you never know who knows who, exactly, and uh, and how you might find your way there. Great advice, Nick Schiffer, nsbuilders.com. Um, you have a summit coming up too. I just we can. I want to just make sure we fit this in be, before we wrap up here. You have a you have a big conference coming up. Well, actually, a small high end conference. Share a little bit about about your conference. So we did one in May, um, and uh, this will be our second one coming up uh, November sixth. 
uh, and then th- this will be a reoccurring event. Um, but the the long and short of it is, you know, I, I mentioned the event I went to with Jocko. That yeah. was a small 20 person event. Uh, and if you know anything about his events, um, they're typically hundreds of people and the dollar value is pretty expensive. So if you, you can imagine how expensive a 20 person event is, um, I don't remember the exact cost, but just for a lot. sake, I think it was about <laughs> 14 or 15 grand. Yeah. And it's and it's two or three days, right? So it's a big big investment, but it's not my first event that I've paid that kind of money uh to go to and what I've realized is that you're putting yourself into a room of people that all all are there for a very particular reason and have invested a lot of money to be there. So they're going to be there and make sure that they're getting the most out of it. Flip that to the Contractor Coalition Summit that myself, Brad and Morgan are putting on and we put on back in in May is that we're doing the same thing contractor specific. So we are coming with two and a half days jam-packed of information that we have over the course of 10 years or, or longer put into effect into our business to be a more profitable business and talk about the stories as to why we've implemented these things, share really important documents or really in-depth documents, walking you through like how to accurately charge for a carpenter and what burden actually goes into that all the way to marketing, vendor relationships, brand partnerships, how to utilize social media, everything that you know we've all individually done to make our business more profitable. We've put this into, again, two and a half days of just pure educational uh, content. Uh, content, And again, you're, you're in a room with 30 people that have all invested a fair amount of money to be there. So what happens is not only is the content you know, I'm saying this, you know, knowing that we created it, but not only is the content great, but we also have 30 people in the room that, you know, you get to to network with. Right. And that is equally, if not more valuable than the content that we're, that we're teaching. Yeah. Is there a website or some, some place where you can find more information about that? I, I absolutely. So it is uh contractor coalition summit.com. All right, ContractorCoalitionSummit.com. We'll have a link to that as well on the show notes. If you're a contractor or know a contractor who'd be interested in that, go to uh, ContractorCoalitionSummit.com. Nick, thank you. I appreciate you coming by here, sharing your story, sharing your secrets. (laughs) Uh, uh, You are inspiring to see all the work that you're doing and at the level of quality that you're doing. uh, Clearly have some systems and some people helping you do that to be able Mm -hmm. to to create the content and the, and the quality of the work that you do. Um, thank you for the inspiration and, uh, and keep up the good work. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the conversation. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. That's how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands more architects just like you. Share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. Links to our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network, the network dedicated to architects, engineers, and construction pros. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com and visit smallfirmconference.com for more information about our lineup of speakers, check out the agenda, and purchase your tickets for the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting, the business conference for small firm entrepreneur architects. 
We do have a few tickets still available, but we're almost sold out. So visit smallfirmconference.com and register today. And before we wrap up, a special thank you to our partners at Graphisoft for helping our community of architects make the transition to BIM with ARCHICAD software. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash EntreeArchitect and see how Graphisoft is positioned to help make your architecture firm a success. Visit graphisoft.com slash US slash EntreeArchitect to learn more. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Entree Architect podcast. My name is Mark Arla Page. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. 
<laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.